Welcome to our online service for March 29th. 2020. This is Mission Sunday, and we are so excited that you are listening and watching online. This morning, we're blessed to have missionary to France, Randy Kent, with us, and he's going to be bringing the word to us and sharing about the importance of sharing the gospel through this difficult season we find ourselves in. A couple things I want to encourage you to do. One, discuss this sermon with your small group, with your life group, with your family. Call someone up on the phone. Talk about these things. Share how the Lord is encouraging you. And then pray for one another. Also, I want to encourage you, on this same page where you're finding this service, we have a link there for a special India report. Sabina Galvin is going to be sharing what God did on her last trip to India, so be sure to check that out as well. And of course, we want to encourage you, during this season, stay connected. Join a life group if you haven't already. Go online to our website, bbfoc.org. And you, there you can find a list of all our life groups, and you can click on one to join, and connect with people, and it is going to be such an important thing for you to do during this season where we're so disconnected, but we can remain connected through all sorts of different uh, technological means and uh, encourage you, be a part of a life group. Also, want to encourage you on our website, express a need if you're at home, maybe you're one of those who are higher risk than others and you can't get out there to the supermarket or you have errands to run, we have people who would love to help you. So go on our website, click that button, express a need. Let us know so that we can serve you well. You can also share prayer requests on there. You can share your story. You can share how the Lord is blessing you or how you're seeing his hand work in your life or even in our world during this time. There's also a new aspect to our website we just brought in this week. It's called Read the Bible. And it's very simple. How it works is this. We have scripture passages there for each day of the week. And you can either read it or you can listen to it and then you can comment on it. This is going to be one of the ways that we stay connected with each other as we're reading the same passages of Scripture together and then talking with each other about them and what we see and how the Lord is speaking to us through them. The Lord is working. He continues to work here through the work of Bethany Bible Fellowship. We are so glad that you were a part of that. We want to also encourage you to continue to be a part of it and support the ministry here through your faithful giving. You can do that online. You can write a check and send it into the church. Uh, we are so blessed by the wonderful gifts from our people. And uh, we just want to encourage you, continue to be generous, continue to faithfully support the work that God is doing. We're here to worship this morning. Let's start that with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for your provision on our lives and how you continue to show your great, your mighty, your strong love toward us. We see it all over the place, Lord. Lord, help us to continue to trust you as the world around us cowers in fear, Lord. May we be confident in our great God, knowing that you care for us 
that you love us, that you promise to be with us. And Lord, we want that to just fortify us through this difficult time and not only fortify us, Lord, but encourage us and give us an enthusiasm and excitement that we might share the hope of Jesus Christ with those around us. Lord, would you bless this service? Would you be magnified through this service? We want to honor and glorify you with our lives. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together. Oh, 
we continue to worship, let's put our faith, our trust, um, our lives in, in, in Jesus' hands this morning. Um, he's worthy of every song we could ever sing. He is the name above every name. And whether we are uh, out in the world, in another country, uh, whether we're currently online in our neighborhoods, communities, uh, preaching the gospel, this is the, the foundation, the strength that we draw from this morning.
Well, I'd like to thank you for, uh, Jared and, and the elders for inviting uh, me to be part of your mission Sunday. Uh, the real reason I came was I was hoping I'd find some toilet paper in the church bathrooms, and I did find some. So thank you. In, in lieu of a, uh, a, uh, an honorarium, we'll just take a big, big roll of toilet paper. Well, during this uh, message, uh, should I cough, I just want you to know it's due to allergies. Um, and I'm a little disappointed, though, because Jared did promise a teleprompter. So if I'm looking down at my notes, yeah, it's Jared's fault, okay? Um, but we go way back. Um, Jared and I from a previous church, and I'm just thankful that he knows me and that he's using a 20th century low-resolution camera so it doesn't show all this aging stuff going on. Yeah, I appreciate it. But in this 21st century, what I'm so thankful for is that this technology allows us to be isolated yet to together. And it's really, really cool. So, um, you know, many of you have been using Zoom and Zoom is great. In fact, one of, the, one of the things I'd love to do is to Zoom bomb a group. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, some people have done it. That'd be really fun. But before I get going on the message, I'd like to introduce my ministry partner, my wife, Jan. And she's been my ministry partner for 41 years. And uh, yeah, and many of you know her from her devotions by Jan.com, her daily blog. And uh, yeah, raise your hand if you've read that. Oh, that's right, you're not here. But I see you, I see you there at home. Um, Jan, tell, tell the audience here uh, about our kids and our well, family. We have, we have three adult children, uh, two girls and a boy, and both of our girls are married and have wonderful Christian husbands. And ha between them, they have four. So we have four grandchildren, and then we have a single son that lives up in Portland, Oregon. And uh, he is in business for himself, and uh, we're looking forward to spending more time with him this summer. Um, the other two, one lives in uh, San Diego and one lives in Massachusetts, so we're all spread out. And uh, just, uh, I guess that's true of a lot of families, but um, they all grew up in France, and so we're kind of an international family and uh, enjoy all of our inside French jokes together. Thanks, hon. Oh, hello. <laughs> well. Oh, I'm gone. Okay, okay. We've been working together as missionaries in France for 33 years in and with the French churches to plant churches in a country that has 36,000 towns and 33,000 of those 36,000 towns 
do not even have one Protestant evangelical church. So that's why we've been missionaries in France. Well, this is a perfect Sunday, Mission Sunday, to talk about missions here, near, and far, especially with the COVID-19 virus. And we're hearing phrases and superlatives like, oh, the largest crisis in modern history, the deadliest day, the worst is to come, it's a war zone, lockdown, stay at home, curfews, catastrophic unemployment, yeah, the hospital is under siege, ICUs, lack of ventilators, it's a pandemic that has created an outbreak of mental health issues. We are hearing it over and over again, which is even affecting our physical health. And folks are terrified and fearful and stressed. They're anxious. And so this Missions Sunday is simply a perfect occasion to talk about our Savior, about what he wants for us to do. And for, from our Savior's points of view, point of view, he wants us to be his disciples that trust him, to be those kind of people that actually trust him. And then to make others, to make disciples that will also trust him. That's, of course, called the Great Commission. Here, near, and far. Yes, these are trying times. And over and over again, like you, we have seen the media ask this question. What is your level of anxiety? They're asking the, the tele-audiences, both online and on TV. In fact, the level of anxiety has risen so high that they've called our country the, the United States of Anxiety. And so, what are we going to do about it? Well, a non-believer would take this approach. The Federal Reserve, the President, Washington, D.C., that's the approach they would take. And we're not against a federal bailout and, and aid. Not at all. But is that the ultimate answer? Because a believer is the one, is someone who's trusting in the one here. In God we trust. In God we trust. And so we're, we're all for the large government relief package. But who's going to bring the ultimate relief in God we trust? We got it right on our legal tender. And so we hear phrases in the Bible, the psalmists say over and over again in Psalm 56, 3, when I'm afraid, I will choose to put my trust in thee. In Psalm 112, verse 7, I will not fear evil tidings. I will not fear bad news because my heart is steadfastly and unwaveringly trusting in the Lord. I will not fear bad 
news because my heart is steadfastly trusting the Lord. And so we can say in Psalm 94, verse 19, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, thy consolations delight my soul. Thy consolations delight, not depress my soul. Psalm 94, 19. And our anxious thoughts are multiplying within us. There's so much out there that is so unknown what's going on. So how can we explain this confidence that we just read about? I'm not afraid. I will trust in thee. I will not fear bad news. And when my anxious thoughts multiply in, in me, who do we go to? Our creator God. The God of the Bible. And so the three passages we're going to talk about this morning are from Colossians 1, Colossians 2, and Psalm 92. Colossians 1 gives us the big picture of what and how we're doing. Colossians 2 tells us about our heavenly confidence that we have. And Psalm 92 tells us then that translates into an earthly confidence that we can have in any sort of crisis, whether it be a health pandemic or a financial crisis or a relational crisis, whatever it is. So let's just look at those passages. In the Colossian passage, we are told the big picture. What are we to do? And Paul summarizes it and he uses the third person plural. And he says this, we proclaim him. We admonish every man. Notice he says every person around us. We warn every person around us. Teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. That's what we're going to do. We're going to proclaim, warn, and teach every person. We, all of us that know Jesus Christ. And how is he going to do it? He's going to labor. He's going to work at it, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me, is what he says. We're going to do it. And for this purpose, and this purpose only in verse 29, in Colossians 1.28 and 1.29, in verse 29, for this purpose, and this purpose only, I labor, I work, striving according to his power, which works mightily in me. He gives us the example for us all to follow. So that's the big picture. And he summarizes, that's how, what we're going to do. And by what means? By his power. And we're going to be able to explain why I'm not afraid. I will not fear evil. When my anxious thoughts multiply, I'm going to go to the God of the Bible. And then, the goal in verse Colossians 1.28, that we may present every man complete in Christ. We are made complete in Christ. Not only from a heavenly perspective, but from an earthly perspective. Now how do I know that? Let's explain the very next chapter, Colossians 2. He simply says, see to it in Colossians 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. He says simply this, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, but rather according to Christ. And in verse 9, for in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. 
And in him, verse 10, you have been made complete. In him, we all have been made complete. And he's the head over all rule and authority. Isn't that beautiful? We are made complete in heaven. In heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are to pro- proclaim Christ because we're complete in him. How is that? In 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Colossians 1.21. Jesus has now reconciled you and me in his fleshly body through death. Easter is two Sundays away. We're going to celebrate his death where he took all our sins and then his resurrection to prove that he could do it. Colossians 1. He has now reconciled you and me in his fleshly body through death in order to present you and me before him holy, blameless, beyond reproach. We are saints in his eyes. We are made complete. And the word saint is not ever found singular in the Bible. It's always plural. Anyone who puts their trust in faith, their belief that Jesus Christ died for their sins in a substitutionary way is now, has become the righteousness of God in Jesus. And so that's making complete. We have, in him, we have been made complete. And that's our goal back in Colossians 1. That we proclaim, admonish, and teach every man with all wisdom, all biblical wisdom, that we have one goal, we may present every man complete in Christ. Verse 28, Colossians 1. And so, a non-believer is very sincere in what they're trying to do. But they've sincerely missed the solution, the good news. The righteous man the good news, that's the gospel. It is a gift from God. It is by grace that we have been saved through our faith and trust in him. You know that, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and not that of works, so that anything I do, I could never boast about it. It was a gift from God. Notre Dame of Paris, most of you have visited it at some time in your life, and most of you probably will once I get the spire back up. But in the west facade, the main entrance as you walk in, you see Christ on the throne. And below him is a scale. And that scale is tipped. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, according to someone's definition, then you're going to be with the Father. And if it isn't, you're going somewhere else. It's not that at all. It's what Christ has done. That's the good news. That's nothing that you've done. We are made complete because of what Christ has done. And that perspective is so important that Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? And so Christ did something about it. He came in bodily form. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form the God-man. And because of that, we have been made complete. We have gained our souls. And then, we're told in that same verse, Colossians 2, 10, 
He's the head over all rule and authority. He decides everything. We're, we're going to be made complete here on the earth. Just because he made us saintly in his eyes in heaven, does he just abandon us here in the earth in the midst of a pandemic? Of course not. He's made us complete here even on earth. And what I'd like to suggest to you is a good summary of that is found in Psalm 92, verses 12, 13, 14. There's five images, and then verse 15 is the natural outcome of what he's providing for us here during our earthly lives. So let's just go through that. Let me just read that for you. And quickly, and then we'll take it apart. In Psalm 92, verse, verses 12, 13, and 14, and then 15, we read this in the New American Standard. The righteous man, that's us, any man who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the one who became sin on our behalf, the one who reconciled ourselves in his fleshly body through death, that's Easter, in order to present myself holy and blameless before him. That righteous man, we're told in verse 12, will have five benefits from Christ's love for us. Five. And he presents the five, the psalmist David, in five images. We wouldn't forget it. First one, will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Number two. Number three, he'll be planted in the house of the Lord. Number three. Number four, there in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Number four. And number five, they will still yield fruit in old age. They will be full of sap and very green. Number five. And the outcome of that is to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That's the outcome of those five benefits. Well, let's just look at those. What do those things mean? Are we actually made complete here on earth? And do we actually have good news for those who are suffering in their health or they've lost a loved one or financially they're in dire straits? Relationally, they can't hug loved ones or see their children or grandchildren? Is there hope? Do we have good news? Well, let's look at what Scripture says. You will flourish like a palm tree. Verse 12. The righteous man, anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the new man in Christ, will flourish like a palm tree. Well, if you know anything about palm trees, they have very diverse characteristics. Now, we're usually used to the cocoa palm, you know, sitting on the beach. That's what I think of. But actually, there are many kinds of palms. Some are very, very tiny. And then some are very massive, like date palms, which will give 600 pounds of dates at a time. And then everything in between. They are very diverse in their physical characteristics. In fact, they grow everywhere. They inhabit every type of terrain from rainforests to deserts. Now, so what's the image that, we, that we're supposed to understand here? If you are a child of God by your simple faith in the grace of God that he's given us, then you will flourish like a palm tree. That means like all the different diverse physical characteristics 
characteristics that, that palms have, from tiny to really big ones, that means whoever you are, you will flourish. Whoever you are. That means whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, you're dynamic, or you're a low-key person, you're bright, less bright, you have college degrees, you're tall, you're short, you're healthy, unhealthy, you're attractive, not as attractive, you're older, younger, you're handicapped, less unhandicapped. Whatever your family background is, your color, your skin, eyes, hair, no matter who you are, whatever your characteristics are, you're going to flourish like a palm tree. That was the understanding at the time this psalm was written. Whoever you are, you will flourish because God, our Heavenly Father, is going to back you up. He's got your back. And then, since they inhabit every type of terrain from rainforests to deserts and everything in between, wherever you are, you're going to flourish whoever you are, wherever you are. Yeah. Is it any wonder that the palm trees became the symbol of victory Plenty and peace. And on Palm Sunday next Sunday, they're crying out, Hosanna, save us. Of course. We're going to flourish like a palm tree. Whoever you are, wherever you are. Whatever the situation is. That's the first image. We're going to flourish like a palm tree. And then we're told, we will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. What do we know about cedars in Lebanon? Well, if the palm trees were the prince of the plains, the cedars of Lebanon were the prince of the mountains. They were native to all Mediterranean mountains of the Palestine and Israel, northwest Jordan, west Syria, and south central Turkey. They withstood every single storm and earthquake there. They typically lived 1,500 years, eight feet wide, 130 feet high. That is a cedar of Lebanon. So prominent and so, so well esteemed was it they were used to build ships and houses and palaces and temples and even became the coat of arms on the Lebanese flag. Second promise, not only will we flourish like a palm tree, we will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. That means we'll still f find ourselves standing in the storms of life. Whether it was way back in 1929, the Depression, or the 2008, or 9-11, or now. That's the promise. And that's the good news we're bringing people to. There is a heavenly completeness and there is an earthly completeness because we're talking about our heavenly father. And then we're told, we'll, he will plant us in his house, planted in the house of the Lord. He takes us and he says, Randy, come, let me bring you to my house. And that's a good thing. Because that's the safest place there is. No need for a security system. And on top of that, God is with us. We have a personal relationship with him in his house. He's invited us to be a part of his house. Where there is not a dysfunctional family. It's perfectly functional. Why? Because we get the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control through his Holy Spirit in spite of our dysfunctional families we all come from. Even if you have a Proverbs 31 wife or an Ephesians 5 husband, yes, we get a safe and secure place to security where God himself plants us and he brings us to our house where is his guests and now family members. He's there. He wants a relationship with us. 
He's warm, he's caring, he's loving. Thank you, Lord. So now only will we flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, but we're planted, we find ourselves in the house of the Lord. And then fourthly, we find, we're told, the next fourth image, that not only does he bring us into his house, but they will flourish in the courts of our God. You see, his house, and the image was in the Middle East, there was a courtyard in these these, uh, these Mideastern homes. And the courtyard was a center of all social and co commercial activity. And so God says, I know about your social needs and your financial needs. I mean, after all, doesn't life boil down to work and play? You have to have money and you have to have friends and family. And God says, I know that. I'm going to not only plant you, but I'll make you the centerpiece, centerpiece of my house. Each and every one of us, and you're planted in the center, the center of his courtyard. We're all social and commercial activity. He knows about your needs, and he's going to take care of that. Isn't that wonderful to know? We're the apple of his eye. We're in the center court. Oh, thank you, Lord. So we'll flourish like a palm tree. We'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon. We're planted in his house, but not just anywhere in some obscure corner, but in the center where everything happens. He knows about your social and your financial needs. And, he, and he's going to take care of that. And then fifthly, we're told in verse 14, they will still yield fruit in old age. Oh, thank you. At my age... Oh, man, I am so thankful that I will not, in God's eyes, be marginalized. He will always have something for me to do to bear fruit. I'll never forget my Aunt Beat. In her declining years in Los Angeles, the Lord allowed emphysema in her life. And so for 10 years, she was bedridden on this oxygen mask. And she was very, very active in her, in her church, Church of the Open Door in L.A. You know it. And the Lord placed her in this bed. And she bore more fruit than she ever did on all those years when she was younger. How's that? Because the Lord just simply changed her ministry. She wrote checks and sent people to camp. She prayed and prayed and prayed. I went to one of her camps. She prayed for me and look the difference it made. Yes. You will still yield fruit in old age. Isn't our greatest fear, whether you're young or old, to be irrelevant and marginalized no one notices not to be useful not to say look what I've done God will help you to bear fruit in his name yes we are made complete on this planet do you believe this we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ and then to tell someone else about the good news. To make a disciple. Another follower of this wonderful heavenly father. The father we never had and always wanted. The father who not only wanted the best for their children. Like my father and your fathers. But was able to do something about it. Not only in heavenly places. But right here and now. In the midst of a pandemic. And so the mission statement is universal. 
The Great Commission. We're commissioned. We're just given one task to do. And that's why Paul said, and for this and this only I labor. It's our work. It's our true work. Whether you're collecting an unemployment check or not, your only work is I labor, striving, working hard at it according to his power which works mightily in each and every one of us. And Paul was testifying to that fact. And so, we're excited to share. And it says this in verse 15 of Psalm 90, 92. Knowing these five things, flourishing like a palm tree, growing like a cedar in Lebanon, the house of the plant in, the, in, his, in his house and flourishing in, in their center courtyard and still yielding fruit in old age. And verse 15 says, what's the natural outcome of that? To declare, to declare that the Lord is upright in verse 15, that he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Isn't that what it's all about? To declare that the Lord is upright, he's a straight shooter, there's no deceit. He'll always do what's right for you. That's the Hebrew word right there. He's my rock, he's your strength. He's your foundation. Like in Matthew 7, when the storms come, we will, we will not fall. It's not built on sand, we're built on rock. And thirdly, there's no unrighteousness in him. There's no injustice. He is just and fair. And all he's asking you and me is to remember that because we've been declared righteous, others can be declared righteous by simply acknowledging who Jesus Christ is, that he is the Son of God, that he's come in the flesh, that he's died for you and me. That's the great message of Easter that's just two weeks away. Well, that's why Paul said we. Did you notice that? We. We. It's a collective thing. We here at Bethany Bible Fellowship have one goal. To proclaim Christ. To warn every person that if they try something else, it'll work for a while. But ultimately, it will fall on its face. Teaching every person. That means explaining it to them. Answering their questions. With all wisdom. With all biblical wisdom. So they understand what the biblical message is. So that we may present every person, is what the text says. Complete in Christ. There and here. Let's all do that. Let's have a gospel pandemic. That's what God's talking about. A gospel pandemic. The virus pandemic is real. But the only way to overcome it is a gospel pandemic. And we are asked to join the Apostle Paul and every other believer before us. And every believer today and every believer that's coming after us, the next generation, to do the same thing until the Lord returns or until he takes you to this home that's wonderful that, to be with him. So let's stay on task. 
And let's conclude by just reminding ourselves of something that you know very, very well. We are told in Ephesians 6, as we put on the full armor of God, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, but is against the spiritual forces of wickedness and in heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. And so to stay on task as we labor and we strive working with his power that works mightily within us, that power starts with the power of prayer. He, he not only gives us the motivation, but the, the power to actually get on our knees and pray fervently. And sometimes fast. in our struggle against the flesh and blood. And so, Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, with all this conversation, and specifically naming names, he says, pray at all times in the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But also pray at all times in the Spirit because it's the Spirit in John 16, 8 that we're told convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so we're to pray, John 16, 8. Lord, would your Holy Spirit convict every single person I come in contact with, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so we're to pray in the Spirit. In verse 18. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Yes, we're to pray for each other. When one member rejoices, we rejoice. When they weep, we weep. When they suffer, we suffer. So we're to pray for them. But we're also to pray for them. Are they fulfilling their calling, their universal calling to share the good news, the gospel pandemic? Be on alert. And we're to encourage one another for all the saints. And then, in verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians 6, we're told, Paul then gets personal. He says, would you all pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. In verse 20, for I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Well, I'd like to close right now in prayer. And I'm gonna read verses 19 and 20 in Ephesians 6, but I'm gonna replace the word uh, in a pandemic with the words in the original text in verse 20, in chains. So I'm gonna substitute in chains in verse 20 with the words in a pandemic. And this will be our closing prayer. Would you join me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. <sighs> Forgive us if we haven't, with all prayer and petition, prayed at all times in the Spirit. The Spirit that you talked about in John 16, 8 that convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And forgive us, Father, if we have, if we have not been on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints in their suffering and in their endeavors to share the good news, the gospel. Help us, Father, to be on the alert with all perseverance and petitioning, asking for 
on behalf of all the saints, whether they are here, near, or far. And Father, we pray on our behalf that utterance may be given to us, in verse 19, in the opening of our mouths to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Your power works mightily within us, Father. That boldness, the mystery of the gospel for which we are an ambassador in a pandemic and that in, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly, that we may speak boldly as we ought to speak. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray, amen.